Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. A great result uh, for England. And one of the... Journalists uh, over here covering uh, the World Cup from an English point of view is Tim Wigmore. He's also written some really interesting books, not only on cricket, but I think we had him on the run home a couple of years ago uh, talking about one of his books, How Athletes Are Made. He's in the country and he's been good enough to join us today. G'day, Tim. Hi, mate. How's it going? Very well. And uh, first of all, thanks for bringing your English weather over for this World Cup. I'll tell you what, it's hard to get uh, many games in. You, You brought your weather over with you. Yeah, I certainly have. I've been going a lot of stick back home. I've been off for about three weeks and about half, half of the day has been warmer back home than it has been in, in Australia. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we're taking out on false advertising. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, just take us through last night. From an England point of view, that was a, a mighty impressive performance uh, given what we're seeing from New Zealand so far in this World Cup. From an English point of view, what was the most pleasing performance of that? Uh, sorry, the most pleasing aspect of that performance? I'd say probably actually the way England were more flexible. So we saw against Ireland, they were quite rich with their batting uh, order. So we saw Moan Allen, Moan Allen, and two of the most discharged players held back to six and seven, and which obviously didn't work in the rain comes. And yesterday, they're opposed to three and four, and another had you know, another two off massively, but just completely quick, quick 20. I think what was really good to see is being a bit more flexible. We also saw that with the ball, so you just see Moan Allen open the bowling, bowling to first, and then the forward is very well. Uh, six different goals in the first seven overs. So um, from Josh Spot, I think it was, a, it was a really good, good performance with, as, as a kind of captain. I've got enough calls to get the top scores as well. Plays, plays really well. Um, okay, yeah, showing his quality and high pace. He's one of the best players in the world against. Very, very fast bowling. And we saw him uh, play that ramp from Rocky Ferguson. 92 mile out of delivery. And he played a short, short time leg. Um, he had a short form between him in, in the IPL. So, yeah, it was a really good performance ring. And it, it kind of shows their adaptability, which haven't really been on display so far. Um, and, and I think they're, they're probably the favourites ahead of Australia to, to sneak in ahead of, uh, alongside the Kiwis into the last four. It's fair to say it's not an overreaction to say the Tour of Australia last year for England was an absolute disaster. There's been a lot of changes since, and we've, you know, a new skipper in, in Ben Stokes. How have you seen the last 12 months in English cricket, uh, you know, at test level and also in, in the shorter forms of the game as well? It's been an odd odd time because the first time since 2015, England had actually been uh, been better in Test cricket than in One Day cricket, which is kind of what it used to be back in, in the old old days. But actually, it's, it's new compared to what over the last year. So it's been an interesting time. That and I think what what Brendan McCullum has done as, as new head coach in the Test game, he's really taken away a lot of the, the pressure. We really tried to kind of bring in a, a freer spirit. So it's all England one Test out of 17, and obviously playing pretty grim attritional cricket. And so it's really. Uh, liberated players, empowering them. Uh, the best one of that has been the form of Johnny Bairstow. So he, he's had an incredible run, uh, batting at five, scoring these, these runnable centuries and you know, taking games away from opponents. And there's kind of been a, a kind of focus on what players can do rather than what, what they can't and, and a need to, to get more aggressive, which is 
partly been helped actually because last summer uh, the Duke's ball was not moving as much as, as normal. It was actually pretty good to bat. So it doesn't necessarily like, mean it's going to work um, in all conditions. And then in, in the one-day team, obviously, because of the time, uh, Morgan, who was probably one of the most significant figures in English cricket history, really, for being the first guy to really take ODIs and T20s really, really seriously and actually put in service cricket, the heart of English cricket. Um, so him going was a big, a big loss. So Josh Butler initially results weren't weren't great. Um, they then played well in Pakistan and Australia, and now you know they're teams on the face of the World Cup, and they just had that that poor game against Ireland. Uh, but I still think overall the T20 side is in pretty is in decent shape. Really, whatever happens in the rest of this tournament. Speaking of Tim, we're always over here uh, covering the T20 World Cup for the Daily Telegraph. And uh, Tim, as we mentioned before, you, you've you've been an author of, of several books. Uh, the most recent, Cricketomics, The Anatomy of Modern Cricket. I just want to ask you a couple of questions about it, but before, can you just give a snapshot of, of what the book's all about? Yeah, it's kind of a, a Freakonomics for, for cricket, really. So we're working with an academic, and we're sort of trying to ask, ask and answer lots of, lots of interesting questions. Um, so we're looking at, at all sorts of things, you know, you know, why and how did run rate to test cricket um, change? Um, why New Zealand um, kind of punched above their weight so well and and in Australia we're asking questions like yeah, do Australia do better when there's more New South Wales players in, in the team <laughs> and actually we're showing that Australia which might provoke some readers uh, some listeners and Australia, Australia actually relies almost as much on private schools as England uh, do um, so yeah kind of a free economics for, for cricket and there should be lots in there for the fans of any aspect of the game. What, what, does the, what does the analysis show when it comes to uh, New South Welshmen playing for Australia? So, yeah, we all know that they're kind of lying that when they hand you your, your New South Wales cap, they get your baggy green ready mm-hmm. as well and that you're fitted for that as well. Um, but, so, on average, the Australian team has basically, uh, they pick 4.5 players from, from New South Wales. So what we did, we looked at how they do when they have more than that, when they have fewer than that. So when actually they have more than four and a half, so above average number of New South Wales players, the testing performs actually better. Um, and when they have fewer than 4.5, the testing performs worse. And this suggests that there's so many New South Wales players because they perform well, and there's actually not selection bias to New South Wales. If there was bias, when there was more players in New South Wales, the team would, would perform worse. The opposite is actually true. So there doesn't seem to be any bias towards New South Wales. But we can find they just seem to produce a lot of good, good cricketers. Yeah, Victorian audience won't be happy with that answer, but if it's a fact, uh, it is a fact. Also in the book, you talk about, you know, T20 cricket, the rise of T20 cricket, the the rise of women's cricket. We've been talking about it for a while. Just where is T20 from a domestic standpoint uh, heading uh, the show that's on after me, the run home? uh, Andrew Gaze and Andy Maher have spoken about it a bit. You know, the BBL in recent years just chugging along, probably not as strong as it was, and have you got an idea where it's going to be in terms of you know franchises and, and domestic T20 cricket in, say, four or five years' time? So one of the things we talk about in the book is if, you, if you're going to zoom out and look at cricket, how it compares to other sports, cricket is actually very, very unusual you know, in how much it's relied on international cricket and how much domestic cricket has really been kind of a nursery for the international game rather than the kind of main event in its own right. And we, we see very much... Cricket is on a path to being a bit like probably you see like in, in soccer where you have these international tournaments which are really, really big, probably the biggest thing in the sport, but the kind of the day-to-day, the beating heart is, is more in the, the, the club game. And we see cricket very much as being on that journey. So in terms of you know, the IPL is expanding, it's going to expand even more in, in, in the future. Um, we've obviously seen the 100 in England and the big bash has, has had its, 
big difficulties and we're going to see next January there's going to be the Big Bash will compete with a new league in UAE and a new league in South Africa as well so that's kind of shows the direction of travel and the question for uh, international cricket is is almost can it get its own window rather yeah, people used to talk about uh, windows for franchise cricket maybe it's actually the other way around the windows for international cricket and it's also you know how can you get everything to pay for itself so I mean West, West Indies a few years ago they had a home summer where they uh, hosted only Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and they lost 20 million US dollars from that summer so international cricket for many countries just is not paying the bills yeah, it's interesting where it is at. Just finally, before I let you go, can you can you see a time where some of these big, you know, these big powerful IPL franchises just buy franchises around the world, and therefore you sign Aaron Finch and he plays in the IPL for that team, and then they've got the Melbourne Stars, for example, as part of their franchise. He plays for them, and then there might be other T Twenty leagues around the world that they've got teams with as well. Do you, is it sort of heading that way? Yes, yeah, so I talked to Venky Mysel, who's the chief director of Cockatoo Night Riders in the IPL, and they've got teams around the world. And he says, you know, we would love to have these twelve-month-year contracts where we basically kind of own the players, and then we might release them sometimes for international cricket. That, that's travel. We saw the retirement of Trent Bolt. Well, so Trent Bolt recently he left his New Zealand central contract to basically become freelance, and yeah. actually he'll be able to play. Um, he plays for the Royals, Redstone Royals, and he plays for their kind of sister team. He'll be able to play for them kind of all, all year round. So that's it's looking to be having in, in that way. Um, and so we're seeing those owners become more and more powerful. Um, so international boards need to find a way to kind of keep their players on side. I think getting the, the schedule, kind of reducing it, but also making it a bit more coherent is, is part of the answer to doing that. But actually, for all that, you know, players, you ask them what tournaments they most want to win, the two they most want to win. Um, in like in Australia, you actually be up there. But for other countries who don't have that, it will be the World Cup, the ODI cricket, and T20 cricket. So, South Africa has its challenges, but those world events are still really, really huge. In fact, they get, they're getting bigger and bigger. Well, Tim, uh, great to chat. Uh, let's hope the weather does us all a favour in the rest of the tournament. We can have a great finish. It's hard to pick a winner right now. The Kiwis have been strong. England have been strong. Uh, India's doing some good things. And hopefully, from an Australian point of view, they can uh, sneak into the semifinals. Uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. And uh, thanks for your time this afternoon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.